And let's pray and ask God to help us understand his word. Our Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as we look at the Bible that we will understand what it says, that we will recognise it as your word to us and that we will trust and only trust in Christ. Our Father, please help us to know your great promise to all of us that all of us who call on Jesus' name will be saved. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is it that most Jewish people don't believe in Jesus? Why don't most Jews believe in Jesus? That's a question I actually get asked a fair bit when I preach from the Old Testament. People will say to me, how is it that Jews have got all of this stuff in their own Old Testament that screams out Jesus and yet they don't believe in him? I guess behind the question are some assumptions. We assume that Jews are people who believe and follow the Old Testament. We assume they're expecting a Messiah. We assume that uh, the Jews have checked out Jesus' claims against the Old Testament evidence, and we assume that they've come to the reasoned conclusion that Jesus isn't the Messiah. We think it's a Christological issue. It's got to do with who Jesus is. But is that true? Is that the real issue? Is that why most Jews aren't Christians? And what does that mean for evangelism? Do you have to be an Old Testament expert before you can evangelise a Jew? Do you have to brush up on your Hebrew? Why is it that most Jewish people don't believe in, don't believe in Jesus? In Romans chapter 9, Paul has been addressing a problem. And it's all about the Jewish people, the people of Israel. The problem is this. God gave his word to Israel. God made all kinds of promises in his word to Israel. He promised Israel, you will be my people. I will be your God. You will live under my blessing forever. You are my children. But now that Jesus has come, many Jewish people are refusing to believe in him. And so they are missing out on salvation. For all of their great promises, if they reject Jesus, the Bible is very clear that they will be cursed and cut off from Christ. They will not end up God's people, either now or forever. And so the big question is, what does that mean for God's word? What does it mean for his promises to the Jewish people? I mean, here they are, they've got all these great promises. And now they're missing out? What does that mean for God's word? Has God changed his mind about the Jews? Has he called his promises off? Can he say to people one day, you're my people, and then change his mind the next minute? Has God's word failed? That's the issue. And as we saw last week, that's actually a very important question for Christians to ask. Because what is our assurance based on? Our confidence as Christians is also built on God's word. It's only God's word that tells us Jesus died on the cross to take our sin away. It's only God's word that tells us Jesus can give us peace with God. It's only God's word that tells us that Jesus can bring us to be with God in glory. Our assurance as Christians is based on God's word. And if God's record is not good, if God's word has failed in the past, well, our assurance is gone. 
how do we know that God will keep his promises to us? How do we know that we'll stay his people? We don't. And so Romans chapters 9 to 11, Paul is addressing this issue, this issue of whether God's word to Israel has failed. Last week we saw the first part of his answer. We looked at it really from, from God's perspective. Paul took us through the Old Testament and he showed us from every part of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, that being a Jew has never been a guarantee of salvation. God has always been a God who chooses his people and he's never been bound by race. God has always chosen his people by grace. We've seen the, the God side of the picture. Now what Paul does is he comes in from another angle and he looks at it much more from the human side. And we see why, humanly speaking, so many Jewish people refuse to trust in Jesus. And then we see why not only Jews but also Gentiles can be saved through Jesus. In chapter 9, verse 30, Paul sets up the situation for us. Through Jesus, Gentiles, who, who were never God's people who weren't even trying to obey God's law, now get declared righteous. And at the same time, through Jesus, the Jews, who were God's people, who were trying to obey God's law, miss out. That's, that's the strange result of the good news about Jesus. Romans chapter 9 and verse 30. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles, who did not pursue righteousness, have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. It's a pretty weird result, really, if you think about it from an Old Testament perspective, isn't it? Why are all these Jews refusing to trust in their own Jesus after they've got all this law? Why are they not being saved? Well, it's very simple. They understood God's law in such a way that they thought they could obtain righteousness by obeying God's law. They thought they could get right with God by their good works. Verse 32, why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. And there's the essence of the problem. Israel thought they could be righteous by obeying God's law. They thought they could get right with God through their good works. And so, Paul says, they stumble over Jesus. They stumble over the man who reveals they can't get right with God by their good works. They stumble over the man who says they need to trust in him to be right with God. Halfway through verse 32, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. And that's an Old Testament reference, and Paul sees this whole situation predicted back in the Old Testament. Now, back in the Old Testament, God said that there would be somebody that Israel needed to trust in, this stone, so-called Whoever trusted in this stone would never be put to shame. But God predicted that people would trip up over this stone. Verse 33. As it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's where Israel have gone wrong, in a nutshell. It's not so much about who Jesus is, it's about how you get right with God. Jesus died and rose again, so we can be right with God as a free gift. All we need to do is trust in him. But Israel wanted to earn their righteousness. Israel wanted to get right with God by good works, and so they rejected the gift. They stumbled over Jesus. 
Now, Paul doesn't say this with any pleasure. He's not gloating over his unsaved fellow Israelites. He longs that they'll be saved. He prays that they'll be saved. Chapter 10 and verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. He longs for them to be saved. He prays for them to be saved. But it doesn't mean that they are saved. And Paul goes on again to show us why. They might be zealous, but they're ignorant of God's way of putting people right with himself. They're trying to establish their own righteousness. And so they won't submit to God's way of putting people right. They won't put their trust in Jesus. Verse 2. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. There's a story about some people who were having a picnic near a river. One bloke fell in. As he thrashed about in the water, it was obvious that he couldn't swim. Now, there was a lifesaver up on the shore. One of the men was a qualified lifesaver. And so the others yelled at him, quick, dive in and save him. But the lifesaver didn't dive straight in. He waited. He watched until the bloke stopped thrashing around. Then he dove in and saved him. Later they said, why did you do that? Why did you wait? Why didn't you dive straight in? And he said this. He said, if I'd jumped straight in, he'd have been strong enough to drown both of us. I had to wait till he was too exhausted to try to save himself. Only when he stopped trying to save himself would he let me save him. That's the problem that Paul says Israel has. They're so busy trying to save themselves they won't accept God's gift of salvation. They're so busy trying to establish their own righteousness through obeying God's law, they won't submit to God's righteousness in Jesus. But the fact is, the law is finished now. The law has reached its goal. Jesus has come and fulfilled the law perfectly, and so now righteousness comes to those who trust in him. Verse 4, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Do you see again what the problem is? It's all about how you get right with God. Do you try to earn your own righteousness or do you accept God's free gift of righteousness through Jesus? Most Israelites, they chose to try to earn their own righteousness so they had no place for Jesus. Now, in the next section, what Paul does, he contrasts the two ways of righteousness, the way of law and the way of faith. Now, first, there's the way of law. And what Paul shows about the way of law is this. It's all about doing. If you want to be righteous through the law, you'll have to do it. You'll have to obey it. Paul quotes from Leviticus to make his point. Verse 5. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. And then he quotes from Leviticus. The man who does these things will live by them. The Old Testament's very clear. If you want to have life and blessing through God's law, you'll have to obey it. You'll have to do it. And not just some of it. You can't just pick out a couple of commandments here or there that you like. You'll have to do all of it. 
God does not accept partial obedience. You can't pick and choose bits and pieces. You can't obey some parts but not others. Imagine you invite guests over for lunch. You decide you're going to scramble some eggs for them. You take five good eggs and scramble them and then you throw in one rotten egg and scramble it. How do you think it's going to go down? Guests are going to be very happy. Well, imagine if they start whinging about your lunch and you go, what are you whinging about? One rotten egg, fair go, the other five were fine. Not going to work, is it? Your scrambled eggs come as a package, they come as a whole. They all need to be fresh. God's law comes as a package as well. You can't offer partial obedience to God's law and expect him to accept it. If you want to get right with God by obeying his law, you're going to have to do all of it. No exceptions. And of course, no one can. None of the Jews could do it, and you can't do it either. And I can't do it either. As Paul said back in chapter 3 and verse 20, no one will be declared righteous in his sight, in God's sight, by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we just become conscious of how sinful we are. Well, so much for the righteousness that comes, doesn't come, by God's law. But then Paul talks about the righteousness that comes through faith. Again, he refers to the Old Testament, to our first reading from Deuteronomy. The situation in Deuteronomy, Israel are about to go into the promised land. And what Moses does, it's a couple of sermons by Moses, where he sets down the law for them again. And towards the end of the sermons, in chapter 30, Moses talks about God's law and and he tells them about how he's given it to them. The point that he makes is this. He says, you don't have to go searching for God's law. You don't have to climb up into heaven and and get God to tell you what he wants from you. You don't don't have to go swimming across the oceans and find some other country for for God to tell you what what he wants from you. He says, no, no, it's here. I've got it from you. I've got it for you. I've given you God's law. I've told you exactly what God wants. It's near you. It's accessible. It's, It's in your mouth. We're talking about it. It's in your heart. It's what we're thinking about. It's right here for you to obey. God's law, it's here for you. It's accessible. In Romans chapter 10, Paul picks up that idea and he applies it to the good news about Jesus, about what Jesus has done. He says, you don't have to go up into heaven and drag Jesus down to earth so he'll save you. You don't have to go down to the underworld and drag Jesus back up from the dead so he's paid the full price for your sins. It's already done. He's already come. He's already lived. He's already died. He's already risen again. You don't need to do anything. It's all been done for you. Verse 6. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Jesus has done it all. And so like what happened with Moses, the message about Jesus is right here for us. It's near us. It's in our mouths. We're talking about it. It's in our hearts. We're we're thinking about it and trusting it. So so what do we need to do? We don't really need to do anything. We just need to accept what God has done for us. Use our mouths. Use our hearts to receive God's free gift to us. Verse 8. But what does it say back in Deuteronomy? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith we're proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Do you see the stark contrast between the law way and the faith way? The righteousness that is by law is all about doing. If you want to be declared right, you've got to do the law. But the righteousness that is by faith, it's all about what Jesus has done. He's done what it takes for us to be forgiven and put right with God. We just need to accept him and what he's done. But there's one more big difference between the law righteousness and the faith righteousness. The righteousness that comes through law was only for the Jewish people. If you were a Gentile, you never even had a look in as far as the Old Testament was concerned. You didn't even have God's law. You didn't even get to the starting blocks. You were running in the wrong direction, trying to obey your own made-up laws. The law was only for Israel. But it's different with the righteousness that comes through faith. The righteousness that comes through faith is available to everyone. And Paul goes on to prove that with a couple of quotes from the Old Testament. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who you are. If you trust in Jesus, you will be saved. Verse 11, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For, quoting from Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So can you see two differences between law righteousness and faith righteousness? Law righteousness, it's about doing. Faith righteousness, it's about what Jesus has done. Law righteousness, it's only for Israel. Faith righteousness, it's for everyone. Okay, let's, let's pull back. Let's pull back. Let's see what Paul's done here. Remember what the issue is. Israel have got God's promises, but now Jesus has come. Many of them are refusing to trust in him, and so for all their privileges, they're missing out on salvation. Question. Has God's word failed? Has he changed his mind about Israel? Can they not be saved anymore? Has he, has he broken his promise to the Jews? Answer? No way. God's word hasn't failed. God hasn't broken his promises to Israel. God is still offering salvation to Israel. Today, if Israel will depend on their own Messiah who died for them, God will save them. but it means they need to stop trying to save themselves. If they're going to submit to God's righteousness, they're going to have to stop trying to establish their own righteousness. And if they won't do that, well, they're without excuse. God's word hasn't failed. God hasn't rejected Israel. God's kept his promises. And if you're a Christian, that's very good news. Very good news. It's good to know that God keeps his promises. It's good to know that his word hasn't failed. It's good to know that his word to us will not fail. We can be sure. We can be sure of God's word. God can be trusted. If we truly rely on Jesus, we can trust God's word. Nothing can separate us from God's love. It's great news. And it's not just for Jews. 
Jesus isn't just for Jews. As God promised in the Old Testament, everyone who calls on Jesus' name will be saved. All right, well, let's come back to the question we started with. Why aren't Jews Christians? Now, of course, today, there are lots of reasons why Jews aren't Christians. There are social and cultural reasons. It's very hard to leave your own community. There are historical reasons. There's a long history of terrible behaviour by Christians towards Jews. And for a small minority, there are theological reasons. There are a few Jews, you'll probably never meet one, but there are a few Jews who have read their Bible and have concluded that Jesus is not, in fact, the Messiah. But the fact is they are a tiny, tiny minority. Many of you would remember Martin Pakula. Martin recently wrote an article about evangelism to Jews, and let me quote what he says. The Christian stereotype of a Jew as being one who knows their Old Testament better than we do, who believes in God and who is waiting for the Messiah, does not fit with reality. I have rarely met a Jewish person who fits this definition. Most Jews are average pagans. Your Jewish friend who fits the pagan mould is not an aberration. They're the norm. It's very rare that a Jew isn't a Christian because they've checked out the claims of Jesus and rejected him. The problem is not about who Jesus is. The problem is much more like what Paul is talking about here in Romans. Most Jews, if they believe in God at all, they think they will be okay with God because of their good works. They're trying to establish their own righteousness with God. And so how should you tell a Jew about Jesus? Answer, you should tell them the gospel of grace. Tell them they're a sinner. Tell them they can't get themselves right with God. Tell them Jesus died and rose again so they can be put in the right with God. Ask them to rely on Jesus and pray for them. Let me quote again from Martin's article. How then should we share the gospel with our Jewish friends? Same way as with anyone else. Two ways to live works very well, and I've seen many Jewish people come to faith through the use of it. A fresh start by John Chapman brought me to faith and has proved useful for other Jews too. We should tell our Jewish friends the gospel straight. God's word hasn't failed. Jews are very welcome into God's kingdom. If they'll stop the vain attempt of trying to save themselves, they can be saved by Jesus. The door is open. And, of course, the same now applies to you. Because in the gospel, God is offering to save you. The door is open for you, too. But you need to be very, very careful. You need to be careful that you don't make the same mistake Israel made. Because it's not just Jews who try to earn salvation by their works, is it? It's a disease that is common to all humanity. It's what the average Aussie thinks. They hope God will accept them into heaven because they've lived a good life. It's what far too many Presbyterians think. Let me me be as clear as I possibly can here. Trying to earn your way into heaven is the greatest enemy to becoming a true Christian that there is. It's not about your sin. It's not about whether you've not done enough study. The greatest enemy to you becoming a Christian is you thinking that you can be good enough to get into heaven, is you relying on your good works. That's enemy number one. Why is it enemy number one? 
One, because you are wrong. You cannot earn your way into heaven. And two, because as long as you are trying to earn your way into heaven, you will not accept God's free gift in Jesus. You can't have it both ways. You can't accept salvation as a free gift from Jesus and try to earn it at the same time. It's either a gift or it's earned. You've got to choose one way or the other. You can't have it both ways. Friends, the door is open for you here today. You can be right with God. You can have a place in heaven. Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter who you are. But you've got to be trusting in the right person. Don't trust in you. Trust in Jesus. Submit to him as Lord. Trust in your heart that he has been raised from the dead for your justification. And then know this great news. Know God's promise. God's promise that has not failed. God's promise that will not fail. Know God's promise to you if you're trusting in Jesus. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that though we are sinners who do not deserve to be right with you, who do not deserve a place in heaven, that we can be right with you and have a place in heaven. We thank you that this comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ who has come to earth and lived the perfect life, who has died on the cross for us and has been raised again. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be saved not by what we do, but by what Jesus has done for us. Our Father, we pray for each person who is here today. Please help us to be trusting alone in what Jesus has done and never to be tricked into thinking that we can save ourselves. We pray for the Jewish people. Please may they come to know Jesus as their Messiah. May they no longer stumble over the stumbling stone, but may many come to faith in him and receive the free righteousness that comes through the death of their Messiah. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.